0: What are the challenges and opportunities in educating the next generation of empathic engineers? Can it be taught? And if so, how? Nikki Hutzka from the University of Georgia has spent the last decade researching this question. She reasons that engineers should not only understand the ultimate users of our designs, but also learn how to develop affinity with everyone they interact with. Accordingly, she invented radical teaching methods that consider a person's skills, being and orientation – and then use them to upskill students to connect with Native American Indians. Moreover, Nikki has co-authored a handbook, Facilitating Empathic Communication, which provides advice on how you can adapt her pioneering work.
1: Welcome to the European Engineering Educators podcast by CEFI, the European Society for Engineering Education. We're a non-profit international organisation active since 1973 and the largest European network of engineering educators. Our mission is to develop and improve engineering education and strengthen its image in society.
0: We are hosts. I'm Neil Cook from the University of Birmingham.
1: And I'm Natalie Wint from Swansea University. And today we'll discuss what is really meant by empathy in the context of engineering education and the research that Nikki has done over the last decade to help enable its inclusion in everyday teaching practice so that we can all create the next generation of empathic engineers. So increasingly in in reports and literature, I've been seeing a sort of described need for engineers that have empathy. And this is often related to things like social responsibility and sustainability. So whilst I consider myself as a bit of an empath myself, I think I really lack confidence to bring it up in the classroom for a mixture of reasons. I think maybe students don't expect it. I also think it leaves me feeling quite exposed and vulnerable but also I think um, that I worry about getting it wrong and maybe causing the wrong emotional reaction. How do you feel about it Neil? Well
0: I think we put more emphasis on teaching professional soft skills, the ones that can be operationalized, things like project management and I feel that sort of emotion and empathy are just relatively underdeveloped and although there's this growing literature on it we haven't really fully integrated those learnings into our practice and I know that uh, Nikki's work has looked at this and how we can accelerate it and I'm really interested today to hear more about that.
1: Hi Nikki, thank you so much for joining us, welcome. Thanks Natalie, it's a pleasure to be here. So Nikola Sohutska is an engineering education research scientist and until recently the Associate Director for Research Initiation and Enablement in the Engineering Education Transformation Institute at the University of Georgia. Her research is characterized by a deep appreciation for diverse perspectives. She designs cutting-edge studies that bridges the research to practice gap. Her current interests include developing empathic engineers, whilst helping engineering academics to conduct engineering education research. Her work is internationally recognized through multiple best paper awards and keynote presentations. So Nikki, I'm really intrigued as to how you, you got into this type of research. What was your journey? That's a
2: great question. I was originally trained as a environmental engineer, and when I graduated, I Didn't even really know what a PhD was. So I went into uh, practicing as an environmental engineer. And uh, when I was practicing, I felt really prepared for the technical sides of my job. But I also began to notice that there was a lot of social things going on. So there was a lot of um, social uh, skills that were needed in the workplace when I was interacting with my teams, interacting with my boss, interacting with clients. And uh, and there was also a lot of um, social knowledge that was required when I was, for example, looking at um, contaminated sites. I needed to get histories for what was happening there. So that really picked my interest and um, and led me to go back and, and do my doctoral studies in looking at socio-technical questions associated with engineering. And so with this interest, I was really attracted to um, this empathy project that was actually started by my colleague, Dr. Joachim Balter, uh, who's a professor of engineering or or was until recently at the University of Georgia and Dr. Sherry Miller, who's currently the Dean of the Stony Brook School of Social Welfare. And they just saw this great opportunity to uh, for an interdisciplinary partnership between social work and engineering where uh, the social work could contribute knowledge on, on things like empathy, And engineering could contribute things like technical literacy to social work.
1: Great. Thank you. It's it's such an interesting uh, story. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Neil. How are you?
0: I'm great, thanks. Uh, So the University of Georgia is a public ivy school and calls itself the birthplace of higher education in America. It was founded in 1785. Nikki, could you tell us something about engineering at Georgia and this Engineering Education Transformations Institute?
2: Uh, Yes. The College of Engineering in its current form at the University of Georgia is actually fairly new. It was just established in 2012. Uh, Prior to that, engineering existed at the university in the College of Agriculture, and it was agricultural engineering. And so when we established the college, we quadrupled in the number of students that, that we offered <laughs> courses to. So it's, so, uh, so it was established in 2012. It's been quite a, a dynamic era over the past 10 years. Yeah. And when we established this new college, we wanted to do something different to, uh, improve the, the quality or ensure the quality of, of our teaching and learning. And so we established the Engineering Education Transformations Institute, which we call ED for short. And the goal of this institute is to build capacity and community around teaching and learning. And it's really great because uh, engineering education research is all all across the United States, but it's quite often in a separate school of engineering education. Whereas we really made the decision to integrate it into all of the technical degree programs. So our engineering education researchers work alongside technical faculty. And that really helps to build that community.
0: Okay, so before we start on your work in this area, um, uh, for the listeners, can you give us a quick summary of what we mean by empathy skills and why you think they're important or relevant to teach engineers?
2: Yeah, yeah sure. I like to think of empathy as the capacity to understand and share the feelings of others and then to adequately respond to them. And so for me, that definition has three parts to it. The first one is the affective part or that, that empathy does deal with feelings. And the second part is that we, we really seek to consciously understand those feelings and the different experiences that people have that lead to those feelings. And so that's the, the cognitive part. And then lastly, that, that bit about adequately responding to them, I think that's really important for engineers, that, that there's an action or some kind of a behavioural Component that follows that. So we we feel with people. We try and understand their experiences, and then we use that information to to take some action or to take that into consideration with with whatever aspect we're we're working with. So why is it important to to teach empathy to engineers? So while teaching empathy uh, as a skill is is, is fairly new. The concept of empathic design is one that's pretty well established in um, design disciplines of, of which, of course, engineering is one. And, and that's because there's this recognition that the, the better designers understand the people they're designing for, that there will be better outcomes. Uh, but in our work, we uh, very much expand this idea of empathy beyond just this relationship between designers and users And we expand it to the entire engineering workplace and certainly beyond as well. And this is really motivated by this idea that empathy and being able to empathically engage with people leads to better relationships. And engineers have a lot of relationships with different people. They have relationships with teammates, colleagues, their boss, clients, technicians, contractors, members of the general public and and all of these people that engineers interact with, they have feelings and they have different experiences, different perspectives and the better we can relate to them, the, the better the quality of our relationships and then um, that certainly leads to better outcomes.
0: So what you're saying is that we've got this component of empathy, um, which has the three parts effective, the cognitive and the action. Traditionally, we had this empathic design where an engineer thinks about this end user of, of what they're designing. But we have looking at a much more broader consideration of empathy to think about all of the relationships that engineers have and how they understand people.
2: Yeah, that's right. So moving beyond just thinking about the people who might use or, or buy or be directly impacted by a product, to thinking about everyone who's in the workplace and beyond that, certainly the the general public. And in when when I teach empathy in the classroom, I also encourage students to to think about other sentient beings. So there's a lot of work on empathy yeah. in nature, uh, future generations. So really broadening out that um, circle of of who and what is considered.
0: Okay, so I mean, in your research, you refer to empathy is a skill and part of this broader model which incorporates not just skills but a person's being and orientation. And while most people understand what is meant by, I suppose, teaching skills, I expect they're less familiar with these concepts of being and orientation and how they fit into an education setting. Um, so could you uh, describe this being orientation skills model for us, and why it's important when we're thinking about empathy.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, a lot of prior work speaks about empathy at a skills level. And so they're the things that are in the, the skills dimension, uh, things like perspective taking, self and other awareness, um, effective responding. And, and these are all really, really important. But in order to Really effectively deploy these skills, some considerations around orientation can really help. So, so for example, if we take um, perspective taking, um, and we uh, consider that in light of some of the uh, aspects that are in orientation, we have, for example, commitment to values pluralism in, in orientation. And that really means that when you're interacting with other people, you recognize that it's perfectly valid for other people to have values that are different from your own and having that orientation. So approaching that conversation with that orientation enables you to more effectively take someone's perspective and try and understand how they're feeling of, a, about a particular issue. And, and the same goes for epistemological openness. So it's not just that people have different values, but people might have dramatically different ways of, of knowing. Of, of drawing conclusions from a set of facts. And so so these um, aspects of orientation help us to more effectively use those skills.
0: So we've moved from this idea of a skill. So the example you gave was perspective taking, which is mm-hmm. seen as one of those sub-skills of, of empathy. Okay. And you extend that skill to consider orientation, which is commitment to values.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or commitment this is what to we're a, saying.
2: Yeah, or commitment to there being diverse and valid, different perspectives on values, different sets of values.
0: So could you give us an example of that? What perspective um may be taken and how does that translate to these value commitments?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when um uh, when we run the empathy modules in our classes, one important aspect is selecting case studies that can open up conversations around these orientation and being dimensions of empathy. And so, for example, one case study yeah. that we've used several times is the North Dakota Access Pipeline. And I'm not sure how familiar okay. yeah, you are with this case, And but it was uh, when a pipeline was proposed to be built through North Dakota, and it was actually through native lands. This is a really rich case study because when we uh, asked the students to draw character or, or come up with character sketches for the Native American Indians who um, would be impacted by this pipeline, they came across very different ways of knowing. So specifically with respect to how Native American Indians, um, the relationship that they have with the land so how their knowledge is produced through this relationship with the land. And there are um, quite different values there as well. So for them, the value of having a cheap way to transport gas is, is not very important compared to the gas companies, for example, who, who value a safer way to transport gas. It's much safer to transport gas in a yeah. pipeline than, than on the roads. And so this is um, where exploring diverse perspectives can open up ways to explore the different values that, that people have and the different ways that, that people um, might construct their knowledge about a, a particular project.
0: That's the idea of going from this skill to orientation. Mm-hmm. And then there was this, this other component, wasn't there, being. Um, so, so we've got this skill of perspective-taking for these Native Americans, and then you have these character sketches for um, considering their orientation. Um, Mm -hmm. Just how does that extend to the the being aspect of the model?
2: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. One of the most interesting things about running these empathy uh, modules is uh, so the, the students in our classes take on different characters and participate yeah. in different role plays. And it's really fascinating to observe them in roles that are different from who they are. So, for example, if they're someone who owns an oil company or a, or a local community member who might be impacted by a particular project, but it's equally fascinating to observe students put on their engineering hat, their engineer hat, and and see who they are as people in this role, and and that provides opportunities for students to start to ask questions and, and interrogate that role. You know, are they the the fixer? Are they the fountain of all knowledge? Because it's an engineering problem. Yeah. And and what is their responsibility here? Is uh, is is their responsibility to the company that they're working for? Is is it is their responsibility to the dignity wor- the dignity and worth of the people in the natural environment. So, so this is where these kinds of questions can be explored. Before they go out and become engineers, when they put that engineering hat on in the role plays, they can start to ask their questions about who they are as professional beings. So that's, uh, yeah, it's a really fascinating part of running these modules that can come out in, in
1: the debriefs that, that follow Um, so Nikki, we're considering empathy now as using this model. So this being orientation skills model. I know some people would, would maybe consider that empathy is something you sort of are born with or something you either have or haven't, but it appears that we're, we're talking about it as though it can be taught. The skill can be taught. So, uh, would you be able to speak a bit about that? Uh, that's a, that's a great question.
2: And empathy certainly is a natural capacity. There's a lot of really interesting research done on mirror neurons. And and I'm sure that many listeners will, uh, recognize the situation when you sit down with a friend and they're, they're really sad or really happy. We naturally feel really sad or really happy. And that's our mirror neurons, uh, at work. But as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there is a, a cognitive and a behavioral aspect to empathy and those can certainly be taught and the effective aspect can be enhanced as well. And, and in fact, other fields like social work, um, like in social work, empathy is, is actually a significant part of what is taught. And I'm sure that many people who have been to see a, a counsellor or psychologist will appreciate the value of interacting with someone who has had formal training in empathy, in empathic communication. It's, it's, it's really something that, mm-hmm. that one can notice. Um, but that said, we're not going to spend four years teaching engineers how to be empathic. Yeah, but I think that we can demonstrate and practice some of the key skills that make up empathic communication.
1: Hmm. So you've spoken um, a bit there about accessibility for students. Um, and so obviously you've done a lot of research into this and got many papers that are published. I'm just wondering if you could sort of take us through some of the steps to sort of operationalize some of the theory. So what, what are the first sort of steps that you would recommend to educators to take, take this work into their own classroom, integrate it into their curriculum? Where should we start?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question, and uh, I I think the first place I would start is that we have written a we have written a really detailed handbook, and so I think that reading that handbook um, gives a lot of pointers. We've also published a um, a paper in Advances in Engineering Education that speaks about how two other colleagues. Uh, went from the handbook and then working with us to develop different interventions and activities that worked in their settings. Uh, So that would be sort of the ground level stuff. And then in terms of, of what to do, I would say that context, context, context is really important. And so working out or where you want to integrate a discussion of empathy into the curriculum. I've worked with people who have integrated into ethics classes, people who have integrated into fluid dynamics classes, people who have integrated into service learning classes, and so really getting an understanding of where empathy fits into the particular teaching context, and and that can help with how to frame to the students why empathy is important. And then picking the appropriate number of skills for the time that you have. Uh, A lot of people that I work with jump straight to mode switching because it's the most compelling skill. Um, We have activities where uh, students uh, experience what it's like to be responded to in an analytic mode versus responded to in in an empathic mode. And it's just a really effective way of immediately showing students that it feels different to be responded to in different ways.
1: And can, would you be able to explain um, a bit more about what you mean by mode switching and sort of explain maybe a typical example of a, an exercise you might you might do in class with a student around that? Yeah, sure. So mode switching,
2: uh, we define as the ability to switch between an analytical mode of responding or and an empathic mode of responding. So the analytic mode of responding is about Fact finding, solution proposing, um, you know, just checking what people uh, have said in said in terms of often we say the facts and the figures, uh, whereas empathic responding is more about the feelings uh, and making sure that you have understood what they've said, how they feel, what they experienced. For engineering students, the the biggest the biggest lesson there is that we're not trying to fix problems. We're trying to understand how people are, are experiencing them. And uh, one uh, activity that we do in class is that we ask students to pair up and then for one person to remember a difficult experience that they had recently uh, and, and one that they would feel comfortable sharing with someone else. And and being in a classroom situation, a lot of people talk about a you know an exam that they didn't do very well in, or a group project that yeah. went awry, or or something like that. And and they and they tell that story. And the instruction for the listener is that they first of all respond analytically, and so they're often asking questions like, "Well, well what subject was that? What were you doing? Yeah no. you know." Or, or finding solutions well maybe if you had revised earlier or, or maybe if you had done that or, yeah, or next time you could consider that so really being very narrow narrowly in that analytic mode and, and then we ask the one student to tell the same story and the responder to respond equally narrowly but in the empathic mode and in and in this mode they're they're reflecting back what they said so so tell me again you you know, uh, tell me again. You you had an exam, okay? So you didn't do this, and 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 also to identify feelings. So that must have been really stressed, or or um, mm-hmm. you know, tell me a little bit more about what that was like for you. And uh, and so focusing less on on facts and more on the experience and the feelings associated with that. And and it's really quite striking how students. Quite often, find the analytic um, response very jarring. You know, they sort of say, "Well, of course, I knew I should have studied more," or "Or of course, I know I should do that mm. next time." And then they often feel a connection when someone's really trying to understand what that was like for them. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's how we demonstrate mode switching, and then and then talk about how it's it's not that one is better than the other. But but they might be appropriate for different situations or for different points in a relationship with someone,
1: right?
0: So Nikki, we've you have this uh, this handbook on, on empathy, and and there's some interesting uh, interventions in there for for helping educators to teach this skill. What are your thoughts on how we can assess it in a way that is acceptable to? Creditors and uh, our colleagues.
2: That's a very interesting question. Um, We've approached that in several ways. One way is to assess the the knowledge that students have gained around empathy. So, you know, what is perspective taking? What is effective responding? Really, that most basic. Um, do they know the, the the language of the key constructs within empathy? And I think that that certainly can be valuable. Um, I think what's more valuable is is how they how students engage with these concepts. And and I think a great way to do that is through reflection. Yeah, and in the handbook we provide some suggestions for how we have we offer reflection prompts and then we assess those just on a pass-fail.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and these kinds of reflection questions can be particularly interesting if students are doing internships or if they've done internships before and for them to reflect on certain difficult situations that they had and what they might do differently. So that's one way to explore the level of understanding and, and engagement that they've had. Um, some people do pre- and post-empathy measurements. I'm not a huge proponent of that. I think it's a lot to ask for there to be a measurable difference after such a short intervention. If I had unlimited uh, capacity and, and time and and funds, I think that observing group dynamics might be really interesting given the focus that we have on empathy Being a key skill to building better relationships, I'd like—I would love to observe the impact of how students interact differently with their teams after these interventions. So that would be my pie in the sky assessment idea. But
1: certainly, the knowledge and reflection—they're really—they are are effective ways. So, Nikki, speaking about some of the the sort of teaching practice we can do, and some of the assessment methods um, that you've used, I think I would be quite nervous about how my students might react to these. I was wondering if you could talk me through some of the challenges you've faced um, during these sort of interventions, but also if you could help with any tips to sort of overcome some of these.
2: Yeah, I definitely understood what you were talking about at the beginning, about feeling a little bit vulnerable, talking about empathy in an engineering class. It's certainly not what most students are expecting. And I also found it a little bit difficult at first. Uh, I felt like I needed to justify um, in a defensive way why that had to happen. And, and so it was more me that had to change. I more had to um, develop more confidence rather than the students that had mm-hmm. to change. And, um, and I just found some really great stories, things that seemed to resonate with them. And one of them is this Google study that Google set out to find out what it was that made their best teams the most effective. And they collected heaps of data and, and analyzed all that data in all sorts of different ways. And, and they came out with, um, Two things that made the most effective teams effective, and and that and those two things were conversational turn taking and social sensitivity. And social sensitivity is is about being sensitive to where uh, the feelings of others. So it's it's another way of saying that em- being empathetic. So being able to identify, you know, who in the team maybe feels uncomfortable about something, and being able to say, "Hey, you look uncomfortable. What's going on for you here?" and Having that can lead to better outcomes and and so telling stories like that, students sort of think, Okay, well, I've worked in a team, and most people have worked in a team that hasn't worked really well and and they're keen to to learn skills that are gonna are gonna improve that and and actually, students have changed a bit over the years that I have taught that as well, and now I get more and more students saying that their parents are actually learning these skills or or having trainings with these skills in their workplaces there seems to be a a bit of a global shift toward that the importance of empathy so that's definitely helped so in terms of one tip i think which is super helpful is modeling the skills so if we're teaching empathy then it, it, it makes sense to be able to engage empathically with other people as well and so usually around the, the third module when the students learn uh, some of the specific activities around effective responding, so repeating back and making sure you've really understood what the other person has said and identifying feelings, they sort of click and notice that that's how I interact with people a lot of the time. And and I think that modelling those skills does help to build better relationships with students and, and make them feel valued um, and make their experiences, whether they're experiences of discomfort, experiences of, you know, rejection even, making those feel, uh, validating those feelings, helps the whole goal of of teaching empathy in the classroom. So certainly exploring how to do some of those skills.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: One of the challenges that, we we discuss this with other guests when we're talking about professional skills, but I think it applies to empathy more than more than some of those other skills is this idea of neurodiversity you know we're teaching how does this impact your teaching of empathy or what kind of issues do you think there are and, and how can we overcome them
2: yeah that's an important question and i think it's certainly something to be aware of in my experience some of my most enthusiastic students are students who have self-identified themselves as maybe not having neurotypical social skills. And they have been particularly enthusiastic because they recognize the value in someone, in those skills being broken down into manageable parts that can be practiced. So so yes, be aware and sensitive in the classroom, but uh, also recognize that it can be a really great
1: opportunity so, Nikki, you've told us uh, lots about your your sort of current research and and your existing research projects. I'm just wondering what's next for you. Uh, yeah,
2: this has been a really interesting project because in the United States, uh, you get funded to do fundamental research, and uh, and there's definitely a dissemination component, and that's that's really important. But there's not a lot of funding. Su- or support provided to propagate that work beyond the original setting. And so that's what I'm really interested in at the moment. And that's inspired by the work of Jeff Freud and Charles Henderson and others who are talking about the need to shift away from just disseminating your work. So write a paper, publish it, and assume that everyone will pick that up and the world will change. So so shifting from dissemination to propagation where there's a – a component of interacting with potential adopters. And so that's what I do a lot of these days with respect to empathy. I, I work with sort of massaging it to fit in, in different contexts. So that's what I think is really exciting uh, for me at the moment.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, a really interesting point in the context of the sort of conversation about who the audience of engineering education research is.
0: Okay, Nikki. Thanks for um, sharing your insights today. Uh, to finish, what single piece of advice would you give to listeners of the podcast who want to introduce teaching empathy into their faculties?
2: Let's see. A single piece of advice. Well, as much as I don't like to say, read my book. We've we've really <laughs> put a lot of thought into. Uh, providing advice in our handbook and and that's because people were asking for it and like I said that handbook describes in detail what we did but at the front of the handbook we make it really clear that the handbook is meant to be just the the starting point to people changing what we have done to fit into their setting. so I think that handbook is a is a great starting point Uh, there's a certainly a growing community of people who have adapted this work like I said to a whole bunch of different contexts and and so connecting with that community I I think is, is a great way to
1: start. Nikki thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and for sharing all of this knowledge that you've built up over the past few years we really really appreciate it thank you. Thanks Nikki. Thank you it was a pleasure to be here.
0: I really enjoyed that conversation. Nikki spent almost a decade researching empathy. What for you was the key takeaway um, to br- to bring into your own work?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, something slightly different to what we've spoken about before. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of, of key takeaways, I think I've realized that there's actually is more support and a sort of community looking at this. And particularly uh, knowing the handbooks there has given me a bit more confidence to sort of go and look into how I might implement this in my own classroom yeah. and maybe I've begun to see that perhaps like being vulnerable and exposed like I mentioned at the start might actually help in terms of modeling some of this behavior to students and and that actually might be beneficial. What what have you found that you've learned is your key takeaway Neil? <laughs>
0: I have a much clearer view now, I think, of, of teaching empathy. I think it's been demystified. I, you know, start with testing the comprehension of the skill, use reflection prompts, get people to think about empathy. And and one of the key takeaways for me was to select a really compelling case study which involves people from other cultures so that, um, you know, these differences in, in empathy between people can be... Amplified, so 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 yeah. I've I've been really inspired by um, today's discussion.
1: Yeah, it feels like there's like a solid framework and, and tools there to to implement it a bit more. I think.
0: Yeah. Okay, thanks for listening to this episode, and we hope you've been equally inspired to develop your approach to educating the next generation of empathic engineers. And please check out the handbook, which we'll link to. In the description. So thanks again to our guest, Dr. Nikki Sohutska.
2: I'm Neil Cook.
1: And I'm Natalie Went. Goodbye. Bye.